0: Welcome to an emergency edition of the Energy Intelligence Podcast, where we are going to try to sort through what is very much a state of global emergency on multiple fronts, and especially in the oil market. My name is Luke Johnson. I'm a corporate reporter for Energy Intelligence in Houston, and I'm joined today by my colleagues in New York. John Van Shake, our New York bureau chief, is here. Hey, John. Hey, hello. And we've also got Abi Rajendran, the director of Energy Intelligence Research and Advisory Unit. Hey, Abi. Hi, Luke. All right. So as probably no one listening to this podcast needs reminding, the situation for the global oil industry has gone from bad to worse over the course of just a few days. Uh, The coronavirus that is spreading rapidly around the world has already caused significant economic destruction and basically wiped out any hopes of meaningful demand growth for crude in 2020. And then on Friday, talks between OPEC and Russia collapsed, removing any near term hope for oil price support. Now, of course, over the weekend. Saudi Arabia launched what can only be described as an aggressive price war against Russia and crude is as low as it's been since 2016 and could very well fall lower as fears of a recession continue to grow. So, John, that is a lot to digest. um, And at the risk of sounding too alarmist, how bad is this and how much worse can it get?
1: Well it was pretty bad, of course uh, <clears throat> overnight prices fell to twenty seven a dollar twenty seven a dollar barrel for uh, for WTI and what you're seeing is there's simply lots of supply coming to market that's the Saudi threat um, and there's uh, demand tanking because of the virus so nobody really knows what this is going to end up so yeah expect a lot more tumult going forward.
0: Mm. Okay, well, Abi, do we have a sense yet as to how this is going to affect our assumptions and projections for production growth in 2020, um, now that both the Saudis and the Russians look poised to just kind of open the taps?
2: Luke, I think you mean um, uh, US production growth, right?
0: Uh, Well, yeah, but I guess just the global supply in general.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good question, and and you know, I mean, obviously, global supply was kind of dominated by 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 the U.S. picture, right? So, um, so we've kind of crunched a couple of different scenarios. Um, you know, high level, the important thing to keep in mind is that you know, in our view, this is effectively kind of the end of U.S. supply growth, um, obviously led by shale, and you know, we assume that it's going to peak you know, somewhere around this 13 million barrel a day ballpark um, at some point here in the next couple of months. Um, and over the next sort of three to six months, it's going to be, you know, sort of fading into into decline. Um, you know, how steep does that decline get uh, is, you know, is going to be a function of, you know, how low the prices go and how long they stay there, um, which, you know, which is obviously a macro question. But, you know, we've kind of bookended our numbers as, you know, if things are mild and, you know the you know the virus impact kind of you know comes and 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 the macro uh, environment you know picks up later in the second half that you know we should be able to sort of keep the declines next year for for U.S. Um, down to about two hundred thousand barrels a day, uh, but if things stay bad and get worse and, and 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 we have a full kind of macro and demand shock, um, it's not really that hard to get a get a million barrel a day. Um, you know, supply decline uh, looking to 2021. Um, and you can even paint the case that it could get even steeper than that. So those are some of the kind of the, the bookend scenarios that, that, that we're thinking about. Um, you also asked about some other sources of production. Look, I mean, a lot of the kind of the other non-OPEC sources are, you know, longer lead life projects um, like the Guyanas and the Norways and the Brazils of the world. So, you know, over the near term, they're not going to see the same sort of uh, price sensitivity. Um, but, you know, certainly this raises questions around, uh, companies, you know, doing further exploration, um, and, and, and spending on, on a next wave of projects.
0: Right. Okay. Well, um, John, I, I guess we can't really separate the twin shocks to the oil market with, you know, the OPEC plus price war exacerbating the damage that was already done by the coronavirus. But do you have a sense about which one is going to pose the longer term or the more serious threat? to the oil industry? I mean, is there hope the price war at least could be relatively short-lived or do you think both sides are gonna dig in?
1: Yeah, that's really uncertain. Um, you know, both ends, both threats are really uncertain. Uh, the fear is that, that the uh, coronavirus uh, causes structural uh, changes in, in oil demand. Uh, you know, you could argue that even though, you know, the virus is not related to climate change. It could definitely give people a sense of risk. You know, at a moment when it becomes more and more urgent to uh, to have strict climate policies, uh, and th- the virus might ultimately also, you know, uh, you arguably be show that uh, uh, air travel is pretty fragile, um, and, <clears throat> and 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 that oil demand is is pretty fragile. You know, <clears throat> people might uh, decide to to not again go on a plane. Uh, Business travel might uh, might decline. So on the demand side, lots of uncertainties. On the supply side, likewise, um, it's unclear how the <coughs> the Saudis uh, plan to go forward. Uh, the expectation is, though, that uh, they will give uh, more clarity on what they plan to do
2: in the coming days. And Luke, can, if I can if I can add something to that, especially on the demand side, you know, I think, you know, part of the issue, as John said. As um, things are uncertain, and and, and everyone is, is is sort of, uh, you know, still crunching numbers looking back, right? Not looking ahead. You know, a month ago, or even a couple of weeks ago, we were mainly focused on China. Um, you know, now that's spread to Italy and a couple of other places. And, you know, and and, and the, the broader spread, um, you know, could, could certainly shock, you know, the whole Eurozone. Um, and, and, you know, it's still really early days engaging the impact in the US, which is the largest economy. You know, and so, you know, as John mentioned, if we go, you know, for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months into a large scale, you know, telecommuting and, you know, e-learning environment, that can be, you know, especially in the U.S., that can have a huge shock. And I think that's, you know, that that is, you know, a huge uncertainty out there for for oil prices, um, you know, and broader markets. Mm.
0: I guess uh, taking a step back, uh Why? I mean, do we even know? I mean, why are Saudi Arabia and Russia doing this right now? I mean, presumably with the full knowledge that both economies could be devastated with a prolonged standoff and global demand tanking. Well, yeah, the the Russians did not agree to the Saudi demand to cut uh, a half
1: million barrels a day for the non-OPEC group, and so the Russians then uh, decided, okay, um, you know, enough is enough. Um, We do not want to cut the Saudi said, you know, we have not been really friends over the past three years uh, anyway, because, you know, we have been cutting 850,000 barrels a day since the end of 2016. Well, the Russians actually effectively, you know, have produced more oil since 2016. And that is when, you know, uh, their their alliance started. So over the past few years, uh, the Russians got away with a lot of, uh, you know, naughty uh, uh, compliance behavior. And I think the Saudis at one point said enough is enough. Uh, we're not taking this anymore. And of course the were the uncertainties about demand anyway. And if you don't shoulder it together, why even be together?
2: Hmm. I think just one, one thing to add to that, right. And and I think this kind of comes back to the demand uncertainty. Um, you know, I think, you know, going into this OPEC meeting and this is something that we flagged as a risk, um, you know, it, it, it the the different parties were just not very well prepared for how serious the the actual economic and, and oil demand impact from coronavirus could be and i think you know you know as the as the week and the meetings progressed you know the the kind of the the panic and the fear kind of set in more on the saudi side and it just did not on the russian side um you know they just they just don't see this as, as big a deal as it clearly obviously is, you know, given the, the, you know, the, the wide scale market impact that it's having, you know, not just for oil, but, you know, across, you know, different risk assets. Um, So I think, you know, that fundamentally was, was an issue last week, you know, and I don't think that necessarily got resolved just in the next couple, in the last couple of days.
0: Is there a sense that this could actually end up in the long-term sort of benefiting um, either of those, uh, you know, Oil sectors, Saudi or or Russia's, if this has a major impact on U.S. producers.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it you know it, it's a good question. I mean, I think you know the scenarios that I kind of laid out earlier, from you know in terms of the the, the impact um, on shale. Uh, I mean, look, in our view, is that you know this the the primary motivation or, or the reason for why things fell apart. You know, we're not necessarily directed at the U.S. specifically. The U.S. was kind of more. Um, collateral damage from, you know, from the breakdown, right? Um, but, but the collateral damage is, has happened. And so, you know, it, it's kind of a convenient thing, especially from the Russian perspective to say, hey, you know, we spent all this money for years, um, you know, building up our reserves and our project pipeline. You know, let's let this thing kind of ride out for a little while, um, you know, push the U.S. supply curve into uh, supply base into decline. And that'll be a good thing for, for our oil companies, you know, out a couple of years. And it's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, I don't think this is the view that is, is motivating the behavior from the Saudi perspective, but again, it's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a second derivative consequence, right. That, you know, Ramco's IPO, you know, everyone was sort of saying, okay, you know, shale growth's here for a while. You know, Ramco, you know, valuation has, you know, has a limit. But suddenly if shale starts declining, um, and that that gains steam the the call on OPEC supply you know led by um, by Saudi production will actually you know start to increase over the next couple of years um, and I think that's you know that that's kind of an interesting um, dynamic to look out for where things could actually be quite positive for the for the oil price uh, over the medium term you know even though things look quite bleak today yeah, and you could even argue, if I can add,
1: that in the short term, it might help stave off a recession, or if there is a recession, it might make it uh, more shallow because of the low oil price. So, and that might then uh, uh, help to rebound oil demand going into the second half. So we expect oil demand to uh, to pick up uh, uh, seasonally as as it did before. The, the virus will potentially just. From a weather perspective and in six to eight weeks you could argue uh, when it's hot enough for the virus no longer to spread um, and then with low oil prices uh, you would expect oil demand to uh, to to pick up faster than perhaps if oil prices would have been at at regular levels but it depends uh, what the saudis are going to do after april uh so the, the april loading prices are Six to eight dollars lower that caused the the fall in oil prices. If they continue doing this in in May and June, you might uh, see a, a big kickstart of of oil demand.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, there is lots to talk about on this. Um, I think we'll save the corporate angle for another podcast. Um, And we did talk about um, the coronavirus specifically and how it's impacting um, crude demand and refined product demand uh, in a previous podcast. So I'd urge listeners to go back to that um, for some of our thoughts there. But just to wrap up with OPEC here, um, what do the events of the last few days tell us about the role of OPEC and its alliance with Russia? And I mean, is this a sustainable partnership?
1: Well, OPEC has has crucial been crucial to uh, you could say to to the, the price of oil. Um, the fact that an, an oil price can tank uh, four dollars, five dollars on Friday on the basis of an OPEC. A meeting falling apart and not meeting uh, the cuts, despite you know the the uh, the uncertain environment, OPEC has has always been is always somewhat of a stabilizer of this market. Uh, it might not take enough oil off of this market, but at least it's there to help. Uh, rebalancing uh, the balances. Now, if that mechanism is gone, and the same thing you saw late 2014 when uh, OPEC decided to go for market share volume over uh, over value, um, if that anchor in the market falls away, it has repercussions. It has repercussions. And then the Saudis exacerbated that whole impact by <coughs> By uh, lowering uh, the term prices. Now, the the official uh, deal between Saudi and uh, and Russia ends on March thirty one, so if they want to save the deal, they have to talk over the next couple of weeks very intensively and and figure out a way to uh, to save the deal, to save face, and to move forward. Uh, but the prices, low prices for April, are already in the market.
2: Yeah, and I think. Just, just one thing to add to that, real quick. I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's really difficult to to call it. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's certainly the the higher likelihood at the moment is for kind of a near term standoff. Um, you know, at least at least over the next couple of weeks, but um, you know, but when you kind of look at over the next, you know, maybe month or two. Um, you know, th- there is potentially, you know, a, a path to kind of get everyone back to the table. And I think, you know, I think one thing to highlight is, 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 is that this, you know, kind of falling apart is happening, you know, at a really, really dicey, you know, macroeconomic time. Um, and I think that's, you know, that could be, you know, a potential path to, um, you know, to, to, to salvaging this um, so I think that's something to keep in mind because there's there's a lot at stake, especially from, you know, from the Saudi economy, um, you know, Ramco stock price, UAE economy, Kuwaiti economy, um, you know, and, and and others in the region um, at the moment. Um, and so, you know, our base case is, look, like, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, we're talking about, a, you know, an oil price over the next quarter um, that's in the 30s um, and you can certainly make the, the case that it's in the 20s. Um, And, you know, having that kind of a price environment last for multiple quarters um, will be devastating. And uh, and I think that's that's something to keep in mind, Um, even though, look, you know, our view is there's not a whole lot of upside to prices here either because there's going to be this huge overhang of inventory builds um, that's going to take a while to work off that, you know, that'll last well into the second half of this year and even into next year.
0: Okay, well, um, I think we're going to have to leave it there for today. And I have a feeling these issues will be with us in some way for most of this year, at least. Um, So we will surely return to these topics in the future. But um, thank you, Abby. Thanks, Luke. Talk soon. And thank you, John. Yeah, thank you, too. And please visit us at energyintel.com for all of the latest on the Price War and its fallout and lots of other topics. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.